What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the first ever Fantasy Puck Podcast. Uh, we're really excited about this. It's something we've been talking about doing for a while. Um, and, you know, we're here now. We've made it. We're about six weeks into the Fantasy Puck startup, and uh, we finally made the, the trek to making our first ever podcast. Um, so I'm just going to introduce myself quickly. Uh, my name is Mike. Some people know me as FP Mike. Um, I'm the main content creator for the channel. I, I produce most of the videos. Um, so, you know, I've been playing hockey, I've been following hockey since I was three years old, something I love, something I'm very passionate about. And I want to take those skills and my, my fantasy knowledge to you guys and grow the game, grow the love for fantasy and everything. And, um, you know, we find that our knowledge here is, is very beneficial to the community and something that we've taken a lot of pride into the last couple months. Um, and with me today, uh, just a little quick introduction here. We have FP Clarkey. I'll let you introduce yourself in one second. And then we have uh, FP Don. So a couple of the boys, Clarky and Don, are joining me for the podcast today. This is our this is our first ever attempt. So I'm going to have to get the jitters out a little bit here. But um, Clarky, I'll, I'll hand the microphone off to you first. Do you want to do a little, little introduction to yourself? And then we'll get right into the hockey talk. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, if you know me anywhere, it's from uh, doing the daily fantasy sports streams with mike the dfs the DraftKings stuff uh live on the the fantasy puck youtube channel uh we do those every day together so that's where you would primarily know me from uh, i'm also in the discord as fp charlton uh it'll probably be hard for you guys to uh to keep tabs on my name as we progress along a little a uh, little inside joke there's is clarky is my nickname so everybody calls me that but uh you can call me pretty much whatever you want but uh yeah super excited to be on the podcast I think uh, we're going to get some good discussion in here. We've got some some very knowledgeable hockey minds just in terms of like being able to follow analytics as well as uh, just some good insight as well in, into different players and, and how the league is, is panning out, especially with this uh, very bizarre year at the NHL. So I'll, I'll pass over to Don for, uh, for his introduction. What's up, guys? I'm excited to be making my fancy puck, I guess, verbal debut. No one's really seen me or heard me before, so pretty exciting. Uh, like Clarky and uh, Mike, you know, I've been a fan of hockey for my whole life. Uh, I probably got started into fantasy by doing fancy baseball. Uh, baseball and hockey are my two strengths, I'd say. Uh, but yeah, I'm just really looking forward to sharing, uh, sharing our knowledge and our opinions on hockey, which we love to do. Hopefully uh, you guys can win some money, uh, win some of your leagues. Um, not just because of us, but because you're learning from us as well. Um, looking forward to how this goes. Awesome. Awesome. Happy to hear guys. Yeah. You know, Don making his debut, we're going to give you your first, your first lap. No one else is going to be going on the ice here and let you have your little rookie lap. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that we want to, we want to stress is, you know, we're here to help you guys. We're here to talk hockey. Um, and there's just so much to talk about, you know, the season started, I think it's better that we started now than, um, you know, maybe a week or two ago. I think just because we have some games under our belt, we have some stuff to talk about, some big news to talk about. Um, you know, the league's moving fast. The days are, are flying by right now. It's it's pretty surreal. Um, you kind of take, I feel like you kind of take it for granted a little bit when the NHL season isn't there. And, you know, you're sitting down on your couch at night and you're like, do I really want to watch Netflix again? Or do I go, do I want to watch some hockey? Um, so yeah, it's definitely a nice to, you know, 7, 8 p.m., you see those big games on, you're, you know, browsing on your sports apps to see who's playing. Um, and then, yeah, so I think 
we kind of just want to jump into the division a little bit. I think the divisions have been, you know, I can see this realignment being something that we, like it could be permanent. There's just so many new rivalries that are going to start this year. I think 56 games is a good number. And I think each team is supposed to play each other around 10 times. Um, I know that math doesn't really add up necessarily, but um, I think just with what's going on this season and all the teams playing each other so much that we're going to see some new rivalries and some already uh, pre-existent rivalries, especially in the Canadian division. Um, you know, we see the Edmonton Calgary out West rivalry going on, but yeah, you know, the divisions, the realignment has been kind of eye-opening. It's been, it's something new for hockey fans, something new for, um, you know, maybe if you're new to hockey this year, um, this is the division that you're used to, but man, it, they're, they're pretty interesting this year. Uh, what, do, what do you guys think? What do you guys think about the realignment? How does it, how does it affect your leagues? How does it affect fantasy? And I mean, overall, um, you know, we're going to have some takes on who's going to come out on top for each league. So um, when we were first doing our uh, our keeper league and, and the draft, uh, my actual strategy was based around the division realignment because I knew that, that going in, uh, looking at the, the North division especially, like just based on the, the teams and, and how they're built, they're not very strong defensively. And a lot of these teams have some really high caliber uh, offensive threats as well. Like you look at the Leafs, the Oilers, um, even Vancouver as well, I think. Uh, there's a lot of talent in this league, but not a lot of uh, defensive talent, I guess you could say, in, in terms of limiting scoring opportunities versus uh, <laughs> versus like the, the actual goal scoring potential that, that occurs in, in the North Division. Like there's some good goalies in this league, but like overall, I, I looked and my draft strategy was pretty much like, okay, I want to take it as many talented players from this division as, as possible. Like, for example, I had the the number two overall pick, and I went with Dreisaitl over McKinnon in uh, in my points league, um, which isn't the one that we're in, but uh, it, it was just like a no-brainer for me, given the fact that Dreisaitl obviously had a really strong season, even though uh, McKinnon uh, was, was the clear favorite uh, for the heart and the Maurice Richard. So I think... Um, this division realignment has, has definitely impacted, uh, especially this year, just the way that like I drafted my fantasy hockey teams and, and the way that I've kind of built my teams as they go along. I guess that's the, that's a strategy for the guys down in the, in the basement of the league, eh, Clarky? <laughs> okay, Don. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, as far as my draft strategy went, I just kind of, pick best player available that's kind of been my strategy for a while now and it seems to be working but uh i didn't really pay too much attention to the divisions to be honest during draft day um you know guys are going to produce whether they're playing against like the teams outside of the conference versus teams in their division uh if anything they're going to almost be playing better against their rivals like leafs habs for example oilers flames um in the north uh, yeah, I didn't really care too much about that, but uh, I don't know about Mike. Uh, I'm I seem to be doing fine in my in my leagues. So yeah, like I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I just won my first matchup in my Yahoo. Uh, this is a first year keeper league in my Yahoo league. Um, but yeah, to do something that I'm I'm new to. I'm usually usually playing in leagues with like just goals, assists, power play points, stuff like that. And this is my first year in a league with um, hits, blocks, shots, all of that. So it was kind of it was kind of new for me. So I definitely had to adjust, but. Um, you know, we have some great projections at Fantasy Puck that I was using primarily, um, you know, to make judgment on my picks. But 
um yeah i'm in i'm in two keeper leagues right now one with you guys and another one with some friends from home and i had some tough decisions to make you know i mean i kind of shine away from the the whole division talk but i didn't i didn't put too much emphasis and uh you know i didn't research enough i think in the divisions because you know i was high on tristan jerry and we'll, we'll get into that in, in a bit i know clark has some uh, some different takes than i do on him but you know when i was picking my goalies I think the biggest thing I was looking at was who's going to get the most volume rather than, you know, who's in the easier division. Because although, you know, Markstrom's going to play a bunch for Calgary, it's like every game seems to be a shootout right now. It's crazy. But um, anyways, so going back to my draft. So my first keeper league, I had to make a pretty tough decision. So it's just all forwards. It's goals, assists, power play points. Um, And I had to decide between Barkov or Zabinijad this year. And I think I made the mistake two years ago keeping Barkov over um, Jack Eichel. So I had Eichel two years ago, and uh, I know you guys were definitely part of that decision-making process too. I, I for sure asked you guys, and you know we all concluded that the best play was going to be Barkov, and you know Eichel's now a top ten player, and I'm kind of kicking myself for it. But I ended up keeping Zib, um, Zib McKinnon, John Carlson. I think just D are really important this year. I find that the G position is actually relatively thin, actually. Um, I just think it's kind of hard to find D that are scoring at, um, you know, a pretty high rate. I just think that forwards are, are definitely more valuable um, in terms of points. But the fact that the, the D are so thin, um, I mean, you definitely have to reach in your drafts to grab them. But yeah, so I had to make a decision. I ended up keeping Zib. I, you know, one goal, one assist so far. So uh, it's not looking too good. But, you know, we're definitely going to have some talk about sample size and not panicking. I think that's just super important in fantasy. Um, but yeah, I think just the biggest thing right now is in, in my leagues is making sure I'm, I'm paying attention to the waiver wire and, and injuries and especially everything that's going on with the COVID-19 concerns too. We're seeing games getting postponed. Um, and I don't know how that's going to work. Look, like they're trying to jam what 50 games in a hundred days I was reading or something. So um, it's getting pretty tough right now, but I think as the season progresses, we're going to see more players injured and, Um, You're going to have to play, you're going to have to change your strategy up a little bit. I think you're going to really have to be looking at the waiver wire consistently. You know, if a player like um, John Carlson, for example, goes down with COVID, um, then you got to see who's coming up. So Dimitri Orlov is probably the player you're going to look at picking up. And I think it's just for you as a fantasy owner, you're going to have to be paying attention the whole year um, for players that are missing, players that, um, you know, might be injured. Um, You know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised if we saw players that are, leaving the league um if covid gets gets any worse and i know we're, we're exciting our lockdown here in ontario i think we just got news of that uh, recently so who knows what's going to happen with that yeah so mike on your point of of the d being very thin this year like i had an interesting uh decision i had to make that i've definitely consulted with you uh prior to it was i had three like really young elite defenseman i had thomas shabbat rasmus stalin and uh and miro heiskanen and um i could only keep two because i had matthews and stammer as my other two keepers so it was it was definitely a difficult decision and like it, it just based on the the stats and and the projections of of what i was looking at in terms of how our league is scored uh, i definitely wanted to keep uh keep Shabbat and and keeping Darlene just made a lot of sense to me as well you know with Taylor Hall coming in uh, and playing with Jack Eichel on that top line and I I thought that Darlene would have seen a lot 
uh, more, at least earlier on. Uh, he's in a bit of a slump right now with only, I believe, one assist. Um, he doesn't even have an assist in, in six games. He has 19 shots. Yeah, but so many people have been asking me about him right now. Like, is he coming slow, out of the slump? What's going to happen? I'm like, just wait, guys. Slow start for him. So uh, we'll see how high skinning uh does this year but i actually ended up moving him before the draft just because i wasn't going to keep him i decided to go with shabbat and dalin and uh i'm also kind of kicking myself because uh, if heiskanen can steal that that top power play spot from dallas which was the the main thing that was holding me back from him even though he had a fantastic uh playoffs there i uh i just thought that you know he he would uh he he wouldn't produce at the rate that he was in the playoffs. I don't think he made that bad of a decision keeping uh, Zabinijad. In my opinion, Mike, like I know we've talked about it before, but the Rangers like they're gonna get better. Like they have their their top nine is too too loaded for them not to get better. Um, as far as my fantasy leagues go, I know we already talked about them a bit, but um, you're talking about how to win leagues and how you got to stay with it through the whole year. Um, I think that's like, especially when you're playing leagues with buddies that like are, you know, 50, 50 into hockey, or maybe they're into hockey as much as you, but you just think, you know, more fantasy than them. You're going to win so many leagues just by, just by sticking it out until the end of the year. Like I have, I have friends that, that, uh, are somewhat into hockey, but, and I, I convinced them to join this league, join this fantasy league and they would do, but like they quit three quarters of the way through or even halfway through. So it's just free money at that point. Um, I'm in another league too. It's also a keeper, except it was a two keeper league. I think I, I forget who I kept. I think it was Eichel and Barkov, which I'm regretting because there's two centers. But what I don't want to talk about is that you were mentioning uh, leagues with leagues with hits and leagues with blocks. I think those are that I hate those leagues. I'll join them just because I like fantasy hockey. But oh my god, I hate I hate having to pick guys like Brendan Dillon and just brutal guys that should not be fantasy relevant. Um, Adam Larson. I mean, he's he's all, he's he's at the upper tier of the fancy irrelevant guys. But, uh, Don, I have a, I have a buddy that uh, sorry to cut you off. I have a buddy that counts uh, faceoffs and penalty minutes on top of blocks and shots and, and power so play points. So R- Ryan and stuff. Reeves, Ryan Reeves, and it's probably yeah, like yeah. first rounder. Just <laughs> I, I hate those. It's it's too it's the worst kind of league. It's got those. It's got the dumb categories. And it's a four. It's not a forward defense goalie league. It's a right wing, left wing, center league. So it's just there's so many good centers left on the board just because nobody wants them. But uh, yeah, those. That's my that's my honest opinion on on fantasy leagues. I'll join them, but I won't be happy in them. Yeah, uh, like speaking of leagues, like um, I mean, one that I just got familiar with this year that a few people have mentioned is they're in leagues where it's like NHL salary. So you're like you're literally. I don't know if you, you guys have definitely played NHL 20 or 19 when you do the fantasy draft. Like, that's what their leagues are like for, for legitimate fantasy hockey. I think that would be fun to, to enter into. Um, but I had a guy messaging me. He was, like, naming all these players he should draft. You know, Pedersen, Svechnikov. Like, those guys with zero cap. Um, but, man, being in a league like that would be so cool. I don't know what you guys think. It's like being a GM. 
Yeah, still waiting for a online GM mode to come out for Chell like that. <laughs> it's exactly what it is, right? Like uh, I've never played one of those leagues either, but that that does sound interesting, and and it's more so like you're actually like building a team as opposed to just drafting the best available player, right? I think uh, I think MLB had connected GM mode. Um, they might still have it. I just don't have a lot of friends that play it with with me. It's mostly. Mostly me on the PS4, my a lot of Xbox friends, but uh, I know me and a friend used to used to play connected MLB, and it wouldn't be on the we wouldn't be managing the same team, but we'd manage two uh, two teams in one league, so it'd be pretty fun to like try and take players from other teams and compete against each other. Yeah, for sure. So I think we let's just jump into uh, some important fantasy talk here, guys. So um, one thing I have written down here is Evan Rodriguez. He's out long term. Um, I mean, I don't think he's someone that is that fantasy relevant this year. I'm sure he's not owned in many leagues, but I think the important thing that we need to note from this is that he he was on first line with Crosby, so that means that there's a vacancy on the top line. I know a lot of people were talking about, you know, Kasperi Kapan and moving up to the top line, but um, I think I'd be a little bit surprised if we saw him there right now. But um, So last game, they had Gensel, Crosby, Rust on the first line. And, you know, the, mo- the most common thing people have been asking me is about Malkin and the question mark that, um, you know, is over his head right now. He's in a little bit of a slump. But um, so what I'm seeing here is Zucker, Malkin, Kapanen is the projected line. But, I mean, I watched the game last night. It looked like Tanev was actually up there with him. Um, he's a checking forward, someone, someone similar to Zach Hyman. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, when Russ was with Malkin, they had a ton of success. But now we see Rust up in the top line with Crosby and Gensel. So... I'm not sure how that's going to affect Malkin's value moving forward. I just think it's hard to to kind of ignore Malkin given his success in his career. Um, he was really good last year. I think he had 75 points in 59 games. Um, he's a high shot volume guy, top power play. Um, you know, he does everything for the Penguins. So uh, they have a 1A and a, and a 1B center on that team. But uh, yeah, I think with with Rodriguez out, it, it kind of hurts Malkin's value a little bit now that Russ on the top line. I don't know what you guys have to say about, about Malkin right now, but uh, I'm still on the Malkin train. I think he'll come back to life. Um, he's still an elite player. So, yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys think about Malkin right now. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to see, like, these elite players that are kind of off to, to rough starts. Like, we, we talked about uh, the Patterson thing as well, and, and I'm sure we'll get to him in a little bit, but... Uh, Pittsburgh is is interesting in the sense that they brought in Jason Zucker last year and he seemed to just click right away with with that team uh, and uh, they he's on Malkin's line as well so uh, not necessarily known for his his goal scoring ability but his two-way play is definitely good so I think what's going to happen with the Pens is I'm actually shocked that they moved Rust up to the first line I felt like they would have kept that Malkin line together if it's like previously seen success but uh it Kapanen just makes the most sense to me like they they brought him in this year uh from from the Leafs like it, it makes sense to play him in in the top six if, if that's the reason why you brought him in but if especially because you're you have Rodriguez injured he, he's not somebody that I would uh necessarily consider a top six for it as well but if if you bring in a guy like Kasperi Kapanen who's shown that uh he's dynamic and he can use his speed uh, I think he's an asset in in the top six uh I, I can't imagine uh, Tanev seeing a lot of top six minutes as well. I don't know what you have to say about that, Don. Yeah, I don't see Tanev as top six. So I, I don't mind Russ moving up. Um, I think the, I, I think if Zucker's going to break out of his funk that he's in, because 
I think they moved him down to the third line last game. If he's going to break out of that, he's going to need to play with Crosby. Like, Malkin, Malkin's a great player, don't get me wrong, but Crosby's the kind of guy that's going to get you out of those out of those cold streaks. Uh, he's obviously no more as a passer than Malkin is. Uh, so Zucker, being a shooter, um, he's not going to come out. He's not going to be useful for them on, like, on a third line, playing with someone like Tanev or Teddy Bluger or someone like that. Um, you know, Pittsburgh, I, I don't... Uh, I'm not too threatened by them this year, in my opinion. They're still going to be a great team, kind of like Washington. But uh, if I'm if I'm a team in their division, I'm I'm kind of saying, all right, we can shut down Malkin, as a lot of teams have this year. We really got to worry about Crosby, and if Crosby's not doing his work, then a lot of the guys aren't benefiting uh, fantasy wise from them either. Yeah, I think I think Pittsburgh's kind of a sneaky team this year. I like them, but I know uh, Clarky, you had a different opinion than I did. Um, we actually have a side bet going on right now um, with regards to Pittsburgh making the playoffs. So I'm on team Team Pittsburgh making the playoffs. Uh, I know you're not, but I just think that it's too hard to ignore the skill of Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, I get Crosby's 33 and Malkin's 34, and that's fine. Um, but, I mean, they're both Hall of Fame players, and it's hard to take that away from them. I just think they're they're so skilled. But, I mean, I definitely see your side with how good that division is. It's kind of, I mean... They, there's so many good playoff teams. And we, we talked about it a little bit today before the podcast. Um, I think five of the seven teams are playoff teams last year. Um, I guess Pittsburgh technically wasn't because they did play in that play-in against Montreal. But, I mean, Montreal was seed 16. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's hard to count Pittsburgh out at this point. I am on Team Pittsburgh. Um, I think Malkin's still a buy-low candidate. At some point, he's going to come out of his funk and – He's definitely known for someone that's streaky. He's someone that can just pop off and score four or five points in a night, and you're just sitting there like, yeah, no surprise. He's been doing that his whole career. Yeah, it's rare, it's rare that you ever see him below like a point-per-game average, right? Like He's just such a talented player, and and uh, I'll, I'll talk about kind of where I sit with the Pittsburgh Penguins. There was just, like to me, I, personally, the Tristan Jari, um, Matt Murray thing was a mistake. I feel like I, I, it just made more sense to, to keep Matt Murray, even though Tristan Jari had like one good season. And I feel like his his sample size is pretty small to begin with as well. Um, and then like there's a lot of injuries going on right now, so I won't touch too much on it. But uh, you know how I feel about Cody CC, And uh, Cody CC is playing second pair right now with, <laughs> with elite, John Marino. Elite so, defenseman. Elite D for sure, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I looked at their D and, and I didn't see anything uh, – too crazy in terms of uh like depth by any means but uh i've i've further looked into it and apparently their second pairing i think it's marino and patterson or peterson excuse me i can't remember who he plays in okay yeah um yeah i think like that that second pair actually does really good analytically so um, I just I looked at their team and I saw top heavy team with not a lot of depth. You know, I, I didn't see anything like I said too crazy with their defense. I thought they were a little bit overrated in that area. And then uh, Tristan Jari, I just I I didn't. He was just the biggest question mark for me. And and we've seen a a, a recent kind of slump for him. I guess if you even could call it. I, I we we still don't know where he kind of sits if he plays a full season or not. Uh, which he should. He should get most of the starts over Casey to Smith when he's. Uh, when he's back in form, which it, yeah, it, it looks like he's starting to to kind of get into, but 
Uh, I just I just think the team's a little bit overrated. I think uh, it's a tough division as well with the with the realignment and uh, yeah, that's where it, obviously like it it looks like they're they're okay as of right now. But uh, again, I thought the Islanders would be a little little stronger so far. We've we've actually seen New Jersey uh, do fairly well early on. Yeah, Don, I don't know what uh, what your thoughts are on that. I just division. I just want to talk about Matt Murray quickly. Um, so I think it looks like Pittsburgh gave him a chance last year. So he played 38 games. So he started 38. Um, he had an 899 save percentage and a 287 goals against average. And Pittsburgh wasn't a, like a way above average defensive team last year. And this was, I guess that was probably Murray shot at saying, Hey, I mean, do you want to be the starting goalie on this team? Prove it. Um, and I mean, playoffs, he wasn't too bad. Three starts. Uh, he went one and two with a 914 save percentage and a 250 goals against average. But I mean, it's definitely something you can see in this league where goaltender save percentage and goals against averages are all, well, I would say goals against averages are deflated and uh, save percentages are inflated just because of, I think playoffs is a lot lower event than um, what regular season is. Sounds like perfect stats for Ottawa to come and uh, scoop them up for, for pretty cheap. <laughs> Start them over Craig Anderson. Yeah, no way, Craig Anderson's. They're they're missing the hamburger though, the hamburger or whatever. That's Andrew true. Hammond, that guy was. Uh, I don't even know yeah. where he's at. Buffalo right now or Minnesota? I, Minnesota, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what a mess. You're just ripping on Murray because he's an ex two Greyhound. I know how you guys work. <laughs> um, okay, so I think the the big topic to, topic to segue here to guys, Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, this is probably the number one topic in hockey right now. This has just been an absolute mess. But I would love to hear what you guys what your guys takes are on uh, on the whole Dubois line a trade. Clarky, we'll hand it over to you quickly. Uh, you know, on your take about this and what it looks like for both teams moving forward. So there's there's two main things that I, I kind of consider when I looked at uh, at this trade. Number one, uh, Patrick Line's contract. I think uh, whether or not he re-signs with Columbus is it's kind of going to determine how you kind of view as who won the trade who lost the trade so um if he re-signs with columbus like great like that's that's what columbus needs they need goal scoring um and they they didn't have a goal scorer and, and patrick line is is definitely a goal scorer um but they also got jack rosselick who was a, a first round pick and we don't know how he's going to turn out i don't think he's top six quite yet but i think eventually he's going to grow into that top six role especially uh given the the amount of of lacking center depth that Columbus now has that they've traded Dubois I think there's a lot of opportunity for him to kind of make an impact in that lineup as he as he grows and and adapts kind of to the league um but yeah it's I I look right now at face value I want to say that Winnipeg won the trade and that'll probably end up biting me uh, in the butt a couple years later when line eight puts up like 260 goal seasons and I just laugh um but I think uh, I think going forward, as of right now, it, it definitely impacts Winnipeg more, given the fact that Dubois is sliding right into that top six, and and that's a that's a weak defensive team, and and we know Dubois is a very capable two way center, so I think that kind of uh, helps uh, Winnipeg's uh, team defense overall. I think their their decor still kind of. Uh, Still kind of meh, but uh, it definitely helps. And and Dubois can also score as well, right? So I, I just feel like Dubois was the better player for me, given the fact that he's more well-rounded. Don, what do you have to say about that? Um, I agree with you on the fact, or on, on your opinion, where you say 
uh, Winnipeg won the trade right now. I do definitely agree with that. If I'm building a team, uh, I'm taking Pierre-Luc Dubois over Line and Ann Roslovich. Um, I mean, a lot, I've been reading a lot about people saying, oh, like Tortorella and Line, they're not going to mesh well, they're not going to mesh well. Like, I, I can see that happening, but I think a lot of people only see the interview side of Tortorella where he is, you know, he's kind of a prick to the media. Like, there's no doubt about it. There's way too many sound bites from him on the TSN top tens and and whatnot of him just just being a freak uh, in the media. But uh, aside from that, he I think he's a, gr- a really good coach. And Dubois had an interview with Sportsnet uh, the other night just after he got traded, and he really only had good things to say about uh, about Torts. Um, like the guy, he he wants well for the he wants the best for the players. That's what I think. Like is hard to like for people to see. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I know Tortorella, but like if you read a little bit into him, you'll see that outside of the game of hockey, him and his family do a ton for the community, a ton for, uh, for the city, like from where he's from and for the, for the team that he's in currently as far as charity and, and foundations go. So this, this, he's, not, he's not a complete like, wacko that the media portrays him as and loves to portray him as. I, I, if, Line, if Line produces, I think Torts is going to like him because Columbus needs offense. So I, I can't see him not, not meshing well unless there becomes the attitude problem. Uh, the, only other attitude, the only attitude problem that I'd be concerned about is the kind of attitude that got him shipped out. So the, if you don't really like Winnipeg, I can't see you being a huge fan of the city of Columbus. Nothing against any Columbus natives. But uh, one thing for Pierre-Luc Dubois and Line is that when they come to this new team, they got what they wanted, they got out of the town. You got to like smarten up as far as any sort of attitude issues. I'm sure like the leaders in the locker room in Winnipeg, like Wheeler, Shifley, um, they're going to smarten up Dubois if there's any sort of attitude issues, if there's any sort of like just brutal play like we saw in that last shift of his career in Columbus. They're going to smarten him up as the vets in Columbus will uh, with Line. So that's kind of my take on it. They're both gonna. They're both gonna turn out well. I think they're gonna be happy with what they got. Yeah, like they're 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 pretty proven at this point in their career. Um, and yeah, to add to that John Tortorella thing, um, I actually know that Torts, um, he donated to like some some charity for horses. I, I think he like act, like horses that are like beaten. Yep. I know I know he has yeah like a little a lot of animals. Uh, yeah, something for that like an animal shelter that he funds. So um, I think that's something that's super awesome that Torts does. Um, so yeah, so here's my my hot take on the trade. So uh, I'm gonna go against your point, Don. I'm gonna say that he does that. Torch doesn't like him. Um, I know he. You know, people have read about that Marion Gabrick tweet, something about that superstars just aren't meant to play for Torch, and I get it. I get it. He's a hard coach. He's defense first, all of that. Um, but yeah, I just can't see Line. A, you know, with his defensive woes on Winnipeg, it's going to be the same thing on Columbus, hopefully, but maybe he becomes this sick two-way sniper like Jerome McGinley that we don't see in the NHL anymore. And he's a big guy too. So definitely something we could see happening. Yeah, Anyways, he's young enough for sure to, yeah. to make a change. I think so too. Yeah, he's like 22, I think. Um, but yeah, I think my biggest hot take on this is that I think that Winnipeg's going to actually flip either Stastny or Dubois to Minnesota. Um, and there's a few variables to why. So one, I think either Dubois or Stasny are, are perfectly competent center twos. I mean, I think Dubois is more of a center one than Stasny is, but I think if you were to move Dubois as, as Winnipeg, 
it's not really that big of a deal, to be honest. Um, so I think you can easily move Dubois to Minnesota for one of their top 4D, um, whether it's Spurgeon, uh, Dumba, Brodeen, or Suter. I think Brodeen's actually probably my favorite out of them, um, just given the contract. I think he's six mil a year for the next seven years, something like that. He was a sixth overall pick. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see them moving one of those centers unless they want to just go, you know, um, not like the Leafs, uh, a, a team with like solid, like three solid centers up the middle. I guess the Leafs are, are a team, but we'll get into them a little bit. We have a little bit of a biased fan on here. Two biased fans, I would say. Um, no, no. <laughs> Don's, a, Don's a Jets fan. I don't know what you're talking about. No. Yeah, but I, I, I could I'm definitely a, a see. I, I could definitely I mean, see. I'm an Abs fan, so. Oh, yeah. Huge Abs fans. <laughs> Most exciting team in hockey right now. It's a good time to be a Habs fan. But, yeah, I can definitely see them moving one of their two centers to Minnesota um, for one of their D. I just think, you know, Winnipeg can't be having two offensive defensemen like Morrissey and Pionk um, and then no defense to back them up. You saw Logan, I saw Logan Stanley was playing a little bit last game. He's someone I liked from the OHL. I thought he was really good. But, um, yeah, I, I just think that all in all, Winnipeg wins the trade. Um, I feel like Roslovich is kind of a sleeper in that he hasn't really seen any time as like a full-time NHL player in a top six role. So I would be curious to see that, but I think overall, yeah, Winnipeg wins the trade. Um, and one player to watch in fantasy now, I think this is something that uh, a lot of people have mentioned to me, something that I've kind of kept a close eye on, but I think the, the France, the, the, the French Alexander Texier uh, now moves up into a potential center one or center two role. Um, depending on how they roll their lines. I don't think Domi is necessarily a center one guy uh, at all. I also don't think Texier is, but I mean, given the void on their team now up the middle, I think um, Texier, you know, steps into a better better position and uh, hopefully he's still playing alongside Bjorkstrand and he could be definitely a deep league or um, even a 12-team league fantasy pickup, uh, depending on how deep your rosters are. Have you guys looked into Texier at all? So I, I haven't uh, I haven't looked too much into Texier, but before we get into him, I just kind of I want to go back to you, to your point about the trade, Mike, um, about moving Dubois, uh, and I'm curious because Winnipeg actually drafted a, a pretty solid offensive-minded center in this just past draft with Cole Perfetti, who was number ten overall. So I'm I'm curious to see what you guys think about uh, Dubois coming in and possibly moving a centerman, whether it's Stastny, who who would you be more, if you had to choose between a Dubois trade and a, a Perfetti trade, which one are you more inclined to move uh, if you're Winnipeg? Because I, I don't think they're they're touching Shifley. Obviously, he's uh, a top 15 player in, in the league. I think he's only 27 as well. So um, it, if anything, it's probably Stastny that goes, but then who gets that top six role when Perfetti's kind of established himself a little bit, right? I, I want to hear what you guys say about this because I'm, I'm curious and I was giving this a little bit of thought. Um, I, I think I think Dubois obviously right now has more trade value. I, I can't see them going out and flipping Dubois after, after getting him like that. If they're going to trade anyone, I agree with uh, Mike's take about Stastny going to probably someone like Minnesota who needs needs a who can never seem to have enough veteran centers. I think they got like six probably. But uh, I mean, I'm I'm not huge on Perfetti. I know he's obviously put up great numbers um, with Saginaw. I believe he played for in the O. Um, really good player. I just don't don't think that 
that uh, he's going to turn out into a, a stud that I think the Jets thought they were getting with him at 10. I, I've, I saw him projected as high as like 4 and 5 to like Detroit and maybe Ottawa. And like I think there's, first of all, there's a reason he fell to 10. And I think there's also a reason that he didn't make uh, the World Ju- Team Canada World Junior Team uh, that first year. Like he was supposed to, he was on a lot of projected rosters. I'm pretty sure TSN had him as making the team and he got cut. And he was one of the final cuts. But he got cut for a reason. So I, I, there's a couple things that that kind of like irk me about how uh, how his career path has gone so far. Where he he's, he has the offense, but I mean putting up offense in the O it like isn't too hard. I think I'd probably have a goal or two uh, if I played. If you put me in for for a season in the O, so I hundred and eleven like. points in yeah. sixty one games with Saginaw. Yeah, so almost a point per game, but or two points per game, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's just my take on Perfetti. Quick maths. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Don too on Perfetti. So there's a couple of variables I want to talk about with him. So one, um, he didn't smile one time when he got drafted. So I know I've read a little bit about how his family is super... I, I see you guys laughing at me right now. Um, I, I know his family. I think his dad's a lawyer. Are both his parents or judges or something? Something like really intense job. Um, so maybe that just plays a role in his personality where he's kind of more serious. But I think the, just the biggest thing we saw on draft day and they were showing the live feeds from home is that the parents were like, you know, smiling, jumping up for joy. And then Perfetti gets drafted and it's like, oh shit, I fell to 10. Um, and I also saw Perfetti play against the Greyhounds when I was um, at home. I think it was two years ago. And I mean, this guy was projected to go top five and I'm watching the game. I'm like, which guy on the ice is projected to go top five? I don't notice anyone out here right now. And I'm, and I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. And at the end of the game, I see Cole Perfetti. I'm like, oh, this is the guy. I think he only had like maybe an assist. And I mean, the Hounds are also a pretty good team. And I got to give them credit as well. Um, I mean, players do have bad games. But I think uh, my personal take on this is if you're a top five overall projected player um, in the NHL draft and you're playing in the OHL, you should be putting up multiple points each night. You know, I know we have Clark, he's a Leafs fan in here. Like when I was watching the Hounds play and I saw Darlene, who was projected, or not Darlene, sorry, um, Sandine, the uh, the better Swedish defenseman. When I saw him play, I felt like every every night he was creating offense. Every night, like you noticed who he was on the ice. And he went, I think, 14th overall or 19th overall in the draft, some something like that. And when I saw Perfetti play, I was just like, man, this guy does not impress me at all. So I think in terms of value right now, like I don't think it's worth it to trade Perfetti just because he is a top pick. Um, but man, if the if the asking price is there, like like I think I would probably take Dumba or Spurgeon for Perfetti straight up if I was win- in Winnipeg's situation. But I think they're just better off if they were to just trade Stasny. I, I would rather trade Dubois over Stasny, to be honest. I think uh, wow. I just think you get more value out of out of Dubois than you do with Stasny. So now you guys know if, if you ever meet Mike in person, you need to smile as, as big as possible. Otherwise, Mike's going to hate you. So uh, if, if and, you ever meet Mike after player. this pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, does, it doesn't matter that you put up uh, 111 points. If, if you don't smile at your after getting drafted, then you're, you're just a bad player. So you're telling me Andrew Mangiapane should be a top 10 pick because he had 130 points in the O? No, no, no. I'm just saying or that. Kevin did did he smile when he got drafted? That's what I'm worried about. I don't know. They weren't. I don't know if they were ISO camming him. <laughs> but I just think so. This this always goes back to my favorite argument, where it's like, 
do you value players more in the OHL that are putting up two points per game? Or do you value players in NCAA that are putting up two points per game or people that are in the Swedish hockey league? And I think this just goes back to the, the overall argument of is, should the CHL have players that are older? And it's something that I've been talking about for a long time now. Um, and I do think that coming into the league as an 18 year old, just, I mean, I, I just don't think it's, it's relevant anymore. I think McDavid is the, like the last like kind of one-off. Um, I don't know if Matthews came in at 19, I think. But I just think the biggest thing, and it goes back to the Matthews point too, where he was he took a different route than every other player in the league. And he was playing, I think, in Switzerland against adults and men. And when you're in the OHL, you know, in your draft year, there's players that are younger than you in the league. And there's players that are older than you, but only by two years. But if you're out there in you know, the KHL, the DEL, the Swedish Elite League in Switzerland, like you're playing against men, like like people that, like when you when you're 18 years old, your body isn't fully developed yet. Like you're not a man yet, you know. Like when you come into the league, you're probably going to put on about 20 more pounds of of muscle, or you know, get stronger throughout your career. And I just think that you know, playing the OHL and putting up 110 points, yeah, it's impressive. But I think at this point in time, I'd rather take someone that's you know grinding out in a really difficult league and putting up 10 points in 30 games. Yeah, I agree. We even saw like Lafreniere kind of have a, a slow start uh, to the season. I know a lot of people expected him to make a, a direct impact right when he got to New York. And I think uh, I was I was definitely one of those people like just based on what I saw watching him in the world juniors, especially like he was just like light years ahead of everybody else whenever he was on the ice. And he was somebody that you would notice like McDavid, like Matthews, every time you step on the ice, uh, he's noticeable, right. In, in one way or another, I know, obviously, uh, it's, it's tough. Like you said, for an 18 year old to come in and, and make an impact right away. But, uh, he, he looks like that elite player to me. He looked like that, at that caliber player to me. So definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we have to really like, like look, like sit back and look at when we're evaluating, especially like young prospects in whatever whatever junior league or NCAA league they're in, is that that they may they might meet the uh, the numbers test that we obviously put them through as fans, but do they meet the eye test? So I think that's kind of where the the obviously the pro scouts have an advantage over like you and I as fans so that they're watching probably. Uh, video every day on these guys, especially their draft targets. Uh, they're going to their games in Russia. They're going to their games uh, at UND, for example. Um, they they probably they can project these guys a little bit better than the average fan can, uh, just from looking at their elite prospects page. So I think like for, for going back to Perfetti again, because I like using him as the example. Like he he was putting out, he was meeting the numbers test obviously but i think maybe he wasn't meeting that uh that eye test or that that projection test uh, as far as his his body goes as far as his play style goes and his like player comparison goes so i think that might be why he fell a couple of spots in the draft but obviously 10th is still nothing to nothing to like shy away at it's a great it's a great spot to be for uh, for a young guy yeah like there's there's a couple players in the league now that you know, came in at an older age and they were playing the NCAA. Um, and the two examples that I want to use is Adam Fox and Johnny Gaudreau. So two two everyday players in the league. Um, Gaudreau's, you know, been solidified himself as a, the number one right wing on that awesome Calgary team. And, you know, he was a fourth round pick by, by Calgary. So, um, you know, it seems like some teams are doing better jobs now with steals in the draft. I, I think Calgary also took Fox in the third round. 
Um, and that's another steal there. And it's just a player that comes into the league at 21, um, playing against higher level quality players in, in NCAA. So I'm definitely a pro NCAA route, even though I'm from Ontario and watch Ontario hockey. Um, but I think that is, is definitely a big factor. And, and another player too we're seeing this year is Alexander Romanov. So he was a really hyped up prospect, second round pick. Um, and he seemed to have lived up to his hype. And he's been playing the KHL last two years. So he's playing against men. He's playing against older players. Uh, he's learning, you know, maybe valuable advice from some of the uh, veteran defensemen that have been in the league for a long time. And now he's coming to the NHL. And you can see his comp, like the spike in confidence, like that first game against the, it was against the Leafs, I think, eh, Clarky? Yeah, first game? I noticed him right away, man. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Con- he looks, he looks like a top four defenseman to me right away. Yeah, you, like I think he made that six seam pass uh, to Tatar for a breakaway, and you don't see rookie defensemen doing that too often. But like he did it, and it was sick. And I'm like, man, this guy's got the confidence. Um, you know, Boudreaux's putting him on. No, is it Claude Julian or Boudreaux? I get them mixed up. Don Renal. Julian. Julian. So yeah, it seems like Julian's give him some. You know, a little boast of confidence there. He's on the second power play unit. Um, you know, he's he's taking advantage of the 21 minutes of ice time he's been getting this year. And I'm not sure how much of a factor it has to play that uh, he was already in a league similar to the NHL. I would say the KHL is probably number two leagues in the world uh, in terms of skill. And, you know, maybe having those two years has benefited him. Now he comes in the league at 21 and he's more mature and the confidence factor is there. So... I just think that's a theme we're going to start seeing within the next 10 years. Um, and from what I know, um, I think one of the guys said this, is that four of the last Calder Trophy winners are not from the CHL. I think it's Panarin, Pedersen, Hughes, and Makar are four of the five that are not from the CHL. So that's something really interesting to note. Um, but Panarin is definitely an outlier on that list just because he came into the league at 24. So I totally understand that argument. Um, but taking him away, that means three of the last four have been from NCAA or just not the CHL. So that's something really interesting to take in. Yeah, that is very interesting. I didn't know that uh, that fact. But I guess that like, proves the point about how the KHL readies a player uh, a little bit more. The, the Swedish Elite League, I think Pedersen won like the, the MVP in that league in, the, in his like first season there or his season just before coming to the Canucks. So like that that's what turned me on with him is that it was he was doing all that in Sweden against men uh, he's gonna you know it's gonna it's gonna be brought over to to the NHL um, and you look at the rookies this year too like we've already said Romanov he's he's Russian uh, Hoglander he's European as well um, Sorokin I know he's he's playing terrible right now but he's obviously another European so so these Europeans maybe they're just a step ahead of the North Americans Shesterkin too. Yeah, yeah, there you go, Shosturkin. Um, uh, I was going to say something else about uh, about Romanov. I think you're talking about the confidence that he's shown on the ice, too. I've also heard great things about him off the ice. Uh, he's always coming to the rink ready is what I've heard. Always got a smile on his face and, like, eager eager to learn, eager to talk to the, to the guys. That's important. Room, so, so That's I, really important. I, oh, absolutely. I could see him, um, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe I could see him down the road taking over taking that C away from uh, Weber when, when Weber retires or uh, retires due to injury. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, biggest thing for Mike is definitely uh, being able to smile there. If, if Romanov is smiling, then uh, Mike's definitely stressing to pick him up as, as much as possible. But uh, speaking of rookies, I, I want to hear your guys' take because we haven't really seen uh, too much in terms of like a breakout Calder pick early on. Who do you guys have as your Calder picks right now just after the first couple games of the season? You, you seen anything you guys like or have any hot takes or... Are you gonna be mad at me if I uh, if I say Ty Smith? <laughs> I know I know I've been on him for a while. He's looked great so far, especially that last game he played. Um, that that would if I had to make a dark horse pick, that'd be mine. I'll I'll listen to what Mike has to say, but I I absolutely love that. There's no clear cut candidate right now. I know we're still early into the season, but um, I would say, you know, the Senators have a couple couple nice guys with Batherson and Norris right now who have both been playing the power play one role, playing the first line role. They're playing a bunch of minutes right now. Um, and then they're in that, that really good division. And, that, and that's what we talked about earlier where, you know, it's kind of like the division of death where each game is like 5-4, 6-3, 7-3. And, you know, if, if you're a rookie playing that division, you're going to have so much opportunity to score. Like those teams in that division are just consistently giving up scoring chances, consistently allowing zone entries, giving up goals on the power play. Um, but yeah, I think I think Norris. Um, I wish he was a defense, but it would, it would make a little bit more sense. But uh, I like Norris. I like Batherson, um, and I definitely on the Romanov trade in this year. I think just the biggest thing with with Romanov too, and I know I mentioned the KHL as definitely a, a one of the few variables to why I think he's succeeding at the NHL level. But I think another big thing is that he comes to a team now where they have five defensive defensemen and one. Well, I guess Petrie. I'll say Petrie's a two way. So they have four defensive defensemen. Petrie is a two-way. And now they have Romanov as like the clear number one offensive defenseman. And I know being the the only offensive defenseman on a team like where you don't have to worry about your own end really because of how good Montreal is defensively. And I think he's really benefiting from that because he can basically do what he wants on the ice. And that's something I would love to see from like a Morgan Riley where, you know, if the Leafs are super, super good defensively, Riley can just, you know, skate in and out of the ice and then if he gets walked by McDavid, he has his other D-man or the back-checking uh, center coming back to to take the puck from him. But I don't know. I, I think I think Mike Calder kind of you know went off the train of thought there a little bit. But um, I just think that's another important variable to take in for for Romanoff. Um, but yeah, Norris pick. I mean uh, uh, Calder pick Norris Batherson. Uh, I like Romanoff too. I'm just naming every rookie in the league, guys, and and he's my my Calder pick. Who, who's your take, Clarky and Nick Robertson? <laughs> Man, you, you guys, you guys flame me for it all the time because I'm a Leafs fan and I'm I'm super high on him this year. But the the injury definitely sucked. I I thought that he had a good opportunity to play top six minutes this year with uh, uh, with the the limited kind of uh, support that the big four had in in Joe Thornton playing on the top line. But actually, I'm gonna go with a hot take here. Uh, and this was a guy I was high on and that I actually drafted in our league initially and then unfortunately he got injured and is still out kind of with a, an upper body injury. I don't know when he's expected to be back off the top of my head, but it's uh, it's Marco Rossi with the Minnesota Wild. I think that he had the best opportunity to walk, literally walk into a top six role with the Minnesota Wild, and uh, unfortunately, he got injured. I think he's he's often overlooked with uh, uh, 
the fact that he's he's undersized and a lot of teams passed on him in the draft this year. Um, so actually, uh, he, he was my uh, dark horse Calder pick early on. I think he's an incredible talent. I think if he if he was able to to stay healthy, unfortunately, like I said, he's got that upper body injury right now. But I think uh, he, he he was a guy that, that just had a great opportunity to showcase himself. Uh, him and Suslo obviously are are were just like walking into top six roles right off the bat, right? So. Uh, we'll see how the injury pans out, but I think uh, when, when he does come in to the NHL, he's, he's going to make an impact right away. I think he's that talented of a player. I want to see Spencer Knight play this year. He was so good in World Juniors. He was and... unbelievable. He stole that game for the U.S. I'm still upset about that. Yeah, and you know, Florida's current goalie tandem isn't uh, is well below average in the league right now. That's, oh, that's wild, man. With Bobrovsky still having like a... I'll call call it a slow start, but it's continued over from last season, right, Don? He's one and zero. Is he actually? He's had one game. Mike was making it out to. I I need to fact check my stuff. Mike was making it out to seem like he had like seven goals scored against him in his debut. I'm pretty sure he let three. I want to say I think they won like five three or six three. We'll talk about this in podcast five about uh, about our take on Bobrovsky. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. That's what I said. He's a Vesna winner. He's had one bad year, and you guys are on the. On I'm the not on him, but I thought he was going to do well this year. I'm I, just being gullible another again, Vesna. listening to Mike. I, I like him at his value in drafts, and so I took him in a couple. Fair enough. I don't think that's a bad pick. I really don't. Better than taking Braden Holtby or uh, Mark Giordano in your Tristan drafts. Tristan Jari, for sure. No, disagree. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I still love my, my Tristan Jari. Okay, guys, I think um, th- that's a little wrap for the first ever podcast. Um, I know I definitely appreciate you guys coming on today as, as, as my guests and, and, you know, providing some definitely really insightful thoughts on, um, you know, the Dubois line, a trade. We talked about divisions. We ran through um, some rookie candidates. I think just going more into the season, we're definitely going to be touching on more fantasy related stuff um, in terms of maybe sleeper picks, uh, overperformers, underperformers. Um, players you can look to add, players that are, you know, off to a hot start might cool off. You know, there's there's so much that we can cover, um, and we have so much opportunity to, you know, provide our our knowledge and give, give it to you guys. So, um, yeah, this is our, this is our first ever try at this. Um, we definitely love as much feedback as possible. Um, we're still trying to figure out, you know, what's the best application we could use um, to record our, our voices and ensure that the quality is is up to our standards. But uh, any final notes, Clarky? Yeah, I just think Mike kind of summed it up. Like this is the this is the first go at, at the podcast. So if you guys want to see something specific or talk about anything in in particular, um, we can definitely go over that. If you guys leave comments down below, like let us know what you guys want to hear from us. Uh, if if you want it to be more fancy hockey oriented, if you just want like general hockey talk, like we're we're here to to please you guys as as the the fancy puck team and uh we we talk about this all the time right so it's 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 nice to kind of to hear our takes and stuff and I, I like actually being able to ask specific questions to to don and mike and uh and whoever's on the podcast like i think uh we we bring a lot of variety in terms of um like hot takes and and different opinions on stuff so that's something that uh, we'll try and continue going on through the year uh don you got anything to, to add before we wrap it up here uh, no, you guys pretty much covered it all. Like as as you guys said, uh, 
you know, let us know how, what you guys think. Don't uh, don't be afraid to give us some feedback, whether positive or negative. And, uh, you know, let us know um, how, how we did for you. If we helped you out with a trade or with some with a pickup, uh, let us know how it turned out. Let us know if we're wrong, too, for sure. We love, uh, we love to hear that. Um, that's part of the fun of fantasy is being wrong, too, because if we were right all the time, we'd be millionaires. So, uh, you know, just... Keep uh, keep active and keep social with us, and we're always looking to connect on all of our platforms. Awesome. Yeah, for sure, guys. So just a quick plug before we head out here. Um, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, we provide our all of our updates on there. Uh, goalie starts, line changes, anything major will be posted on our Twitter. I'm at fantasy underscore puck. Um, we have also have a Discord. We'd love for everyone to join. We're kind of building up this fantasy puck community. Um, we just hit our 50th member on Discord, and... Um, we've been open for about five days now, so it's growing pretty fast. Um, the more people, the better. The more takes, um, the more responses, the more discussion we have in there. Um, we also have a Patreon, so if you want access to our um, exclusive projections for Yahoo and ESPN that are updated uh, once a week, as well as our DraftKings projections, we do do um, DFS content. Uh, me and Clarky are the hosts of our DFS content show uh, that we do daily. Um, that's all over on our Patreon. If you guys like the content and everything, um, feel free to head over there and, and support us as content creators. Um, other than that, guys, um, we appreciate everyone for, for tuning in today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in the upcoming episodes. We have uh, some big plans excited that we're excited for. So uh, other than that, take care, everyone.